0: Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to feeling at home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole, and I want to take a moment to remind you about Vegapadfo. If you're like, what the heck did you just say? Is that some strange German word that I don't know? Then you clearly didn't listen to my little mini episode on Sunday. <laughs> VegaPodFo is an acronym for the first ever German expat podcaster's Advent donation Faceoff. which actually, if you translate that title to German, it's actually just one long word, turns out. <laughs> so from the first day of Advent on December 1st all the way through to Christmas, I am competing with Sean from Expat Life Germany to see who can raise more money for their charity of choice. I'm raising money for Women's Worth, Inc., and Sean is raising money for Lebenshilfe, We launched FegaPodFo last Sunday, so hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we've already started to see some donations rolling in, and if not, now is a great time to pause your day and go donate some money to one or even two very worthy charities. I'll be putting out updates of who's in the lead for FegaPodFo every Sunday. Plus, Sean and I will be posting funny little smack talk videos on Instagram all throughout the month to further motivate people to donate money because, you know, the best motivation is smack talk. I guess I'm not really seeing the logic here now that I say it out loud. Anyway, to get more information on Fegapodfo, you can visit expatlifegermany.de slash charity. That link is going to be in the show notes for this episode and the next couple until the end of Advent. Now, it occurs to me that talking about rivalries is actually a very good transition for this week's episode because I speak with an Austrian who is living in Germany and is actually married to a German. And for those of you not familiar... Austria and Germany have sort of a big brother, little brother relationship. I'm not going to say who's the big brother. I'm not trying to get myself involved in here. All I'll say is, as someone who grew up in Philadelphia, I kind of know this feeling between Philadelphia and New York. There was a very similar, um, yeah, a little bit of a rivalry, a little bit of a complex what have you. <laughs> so it was really fun to do this episode and see a similar rivalry play out on a countrywide scale in my new home country of Germany. I hope you guys also get a kick out of it. Enjoy.
1: My name's Stephanie. I have lived in Germany now for three years. Three and a bit. I was born and grew up in in, in Austria, born and bred. And then I kind of left as soon as I could afford and fathom getting on a plane when I was just 18. Whoa, where'd you go? I went to the UK. So I was, it was one of those things where I, I knew very early on as well. That means when I was like 12 or something, I was like, right? I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here as soon as I bloody well can. And then at 18, well, I kind of set it up when I was still 17, 16, 17, uh, took concrete steps to kind of research how I could go abroad. And when I was 18, a month after my 18th birthday, I just went on that plane and never looked back, literally. That's wild. How long
0: were you in the UK for then?
1: All in all, it was 16 years. 16 really cool, wonderful years. And I miss it. I miss it every day. Honestly, I really, really do. Did you go straight to Germany after that? No. Well, in 2016, this is also quite funny because we sort of, because I met my nigh husband in Switzerland out of all places. Probably a good thing because talking about Austrians and Germans, we we met on neutral ground, as it were. <laughs> that was probably, best way for us to meet and actually kind of fall in love because that's another whole different story because I actually thought he was kind of Spanish and he thought I was from South America so we started (laughs) off speaking in Spanish and then we started speaking in English and then finally I kind of came out to him as Austrian and he came out to me as German and and by that time we were we kind of clicked already um (laughs) But oh, sorry, I totally digress there now. Um, from England, we went to Switzerland for about six months and then we moved here to, to Germany, to Stuttgart. What brought you to Stuttgart? Well, uh, he's got a really good job. I mean, Stuttgart, the three big companies here are Daimler, uh, Bosch, and Porsche. So most people who work for one of them will live somewhere around here in Stuttgart. So. He works for Bosch, so of course he's going to live here. And and I followed him.
0: That is really exciting because, okay, Strukhardt is my favorite place to talk about because I always have to talk about the world's
1: largest pig museum. Um, are you familiar? Oh my God, am I familiar? I've been there already. I've got the t-shirt and everything. Oh my uh,
2: gosh!
1: <laughs> I went there yesterday. You, you've been there yesterday around that neck of the woods. And it's so I love the thing is my because my uh, profession, I work in a museum in an art museum and museums and collections and and all of that is very much my world. So the Pig Museum is so, so eccentric and so strange and in many ways so un-German that I it's one of my favorite places to go. It's brilliant. This is
0: blowing my mind right now because this is literally Instagram showed me today that a year ago I posted a picture I'd taken from the the pig museum because a year ago I started talking about it on the podcast because I have been there I'm a huge fan I think it's one of the best things probably in Germany and no one I know or have spoken to had ever been there or maybe they'd seen it in passing but they'd never been in and I would ask everyone that I met from Stuttgart who's lived there who's visited there all of this and no one so this is very timely and heartwarming that there is I I, I'd become convinced in my head that I like it's such a bizarre place that I became slightly convinced that I invented it and that this was like a thing of my psyche
1: (laughs) no no babe you didn't you did not invent that it's it's totally there and it's it's just the weirdest place and it's totally anyone who comes to, to Stuttgart needs to go there because it's just you 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 don't you can't, it's like you can't fathom how much stuff there can be to do with pigs in all shapes, sizes, forms, from objects, to paintings, to art, to whatever you can imagine. It's the weirdest thing. And I think, I think, do they have like 50,000 different objects in that collection? It's, it's, it's ridiculous.
0: It is a lot, and it's very creative, too. You're totally right. It's not just, like, here are a bunch of pictures of pigs or anything like this. Like, it is quite imaginative. What what is a pig? What encompasses pig? Yeah, well, and, you know, and it's tasty, too. So, (laughs) (laughs) win-win. Okay, before I digress and make us talk about the pig museum for, like, an hour, which, honestly, I feel like I could. Um, All right. (laughs) So, now, you're in Germany, and you're from Austria, and you're with...
1: uh, Swiss man he's Swiss German correct no no he's, he's he's totally German he's like totally German like that that never happens an Austrian and a German like oh. hitting it off that that's a real um, exception <laughs>
0: <laughs> how how is that like what I mean so maybe explain first why or what sort of your stereotypes are about Germans and why these two wouldn't get along and then how
1: does that compare to your experience I think uh, that's really interesting. That's a really good question in I don't know in my case and and I can mostly speak for myself because i'm I'm quite I'm, I feel quite divorced from this 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 Austrian identity that that I've grown up with. Um, when you grow up in Austria, I think there is a lot of that rivalry with with Germans and I think I seem to have heard somewhere that for for austrians germans are like a distant cousin that you don't really like that much because he's doing better than you (laughs) and he just he speaks a bit better than you and 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 that's kind of how you grow up and you also grow up with this strange idea that that germans are just not up well yeah i guess a bit stuck up i guess you get that idea that they're stuck up and that they certainly talk weird because, of course, in, in Austria, we speak the perfect German, which we don't. And sort of that, those stereotypes that just an innate dislike on the, on, the, on the part of the Austrians towards Germans.
0: Do you think that they have it for you or have you have you heard any, from anyone what their side of things is?
1: I think their side of things, from experience, from, from what I gather, they're just, they're, they're looking, they are looking a little bit, perhaps a little bit down on, on the Austrians and kind of, you know, Austria is always about 30 years behind with with pretty much everything, culturally, socially, technologically. I mean, that that's obviously like completely blowing that out of proportion now, but it's kind of Austria is always a bit behind, just like Switzerland is always a bit behind, whereas the Germans are a bit more brave with things like that I guess and a bit more forward looking and I don't know on the Austrian part I can definitely say I think that we have a lot of we're very down on ourselves it's kind of that but also at the same time we've got a lot of misplaced pride about ourselves we have these old delusions of grandeur of an old bygone era that is no longer there that we wish we still had that we wish we were still important that we wish we still mattered and we you know, had like what we had before when we had uh, the emperor or the Kaiser. And and I think that's kind of one of those things that makes an Austrian punch upward a lot of the time with this misplaced Austrian pride.
0: That's really interesting. Do you, And I'm going to put this in a way that maybe it's a little too blunt, but like you're allowed to have that feeling because the Germans are sort of Forbidden from having any longing for the past because of World War II, is that sort of not there in Austria? Like, is it sort of socially acceptable to be to be longing for that? Not not that specific World
1: War II era, but like this this bygone era. In, in Austria, it's absolutely acceptable because uh, we're talking about an era that happened before World War II or World War One even that era where, you know, it was the Austrian Empire, it was the Austro-Hungarian Empire when Austria mattered in the world, when we had a role um, and and when history kind of was on our side. What happened after, I think in Austria we, <laughs> and I see that a lot going home, we very conveniently forget how pivotal and important our role was, particularly in the Second World War, and how really Right there and up front, we were when when Hitler annexed us. When he was Austrian at in the end at the end of the day, and it was kind of almost a homecoming for him. And and often that excuse in Austria is, oh well, we were annexed. We there was nothing we could do about it. That's sorry to say, but that's bullshit because everyone was really up for it. And you know, and it's that's another really really interesting comparison or, or difference between the two. Whereas here, living here in Germany how they dealt with World War II and their responsibility is, is completely different, how Austria dealt with it, completely different. And here, I think much more successful than we have done in Austria. Probably.
0: The only kind of nostalgia that's sort of socially acceptable about history in Germany, and even that's debatable is the like Ostologie, like when, like longing the nostalgia for the East German times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just really interesting to hear how different
1: that is in Austria. Very much so. For me personally, because so my family history, my dad was born in 39 and my dad's side of the family before annexation happened, even in Austria, uh, before any of that was was a topic or, or relevant at all in the 30s. My dad's side of the family were already members of the NSDAP and they had rallies. Because uh, I grew up uh, on, a, on a farm. They had rallies on our farm that were actually illegal at that time because the NSDAP was illegal for a while. And they would have them in secret. And they were they were absolutely sort of convinced Nazis. And and that that's one of those things where, you know, when you're kind of affected by that uh, past and affected by the fact that there are members of your family, of your distant family, who then and in my case even now I still think that that was a good time and that that was a good um, ideology. It's a weird one to deal with that. I don't know for me as an Austrian I kind of think it's it's very important for me to work against that and go the opposite way and being here in Germany is, is really interesting in that sense. We have a museum here in Stuttgart that's called Hotel Silber and that was the uh, Gestapo headquarters for Uh, This area here in Germany, Württemberg and Hohenzollern, as it was called back then, and I do tours there. So I kind of deal with that past and and often in my tours when I talk to people, I kind of point out to the fact that me as an Austrian and knowing how we were taught history and how within our culture and our society we deal with that past very differently than the Germans do I point out that difference and I find that's very important and that's for me kind of not healing because that sounds really cheesy but it's for me a way to kind of understand and grapple with my own sort of family history but also that wider bigger history and and how memory is being dealt with differently in different places.
0: I feel like you're in a sort of sweet spot there too with being Austrian so you're an outsider to Germany because there are certain ways that a German might not feel comfortable saying something like we're handling our World War II history very well you know that might be an uncomfortable statement because it's too positive of a thing to say about such a terrible thing to have to be dealing with right whereas as outsiders you don't have that quite as much and and it's a little bit easier to say like hey I, I think this is being handled in, in a respectful and responsible way but at the same time you're Austrian your mother tongue is German albeit you know another dialect or what have you but um you still have this just adjacent connection where it's still close enough to have a certain clout that like me as an American I wouldn't have the same weight saying some of these things do you know what I mean
1: yeah yeah no, I totally get that and and also I think that sort of politically how things are in in, in Austria and in Germany, it's, I mean, it's the whole of Europe and, and the States and, and the UK as well. It's all kind of moving, shifting towards that right wing and those right wing ideas. And for me, living here in Germany and being Austrian, I find that so, so, so dangerous. I tried to stay somewhat in tune
0: with German news and news written in German, but I'm, I am still keep it at a distance because I'm like very overwhelmed by my own country's nonsense at the moment. But man, like some stuff, things about Austria will come flitter across my, I want to say my screen, but I'm actually, I work in a library. And so I, I read a lot of these um, newspapers and, and magazines and stuff. And when it comes across my desk, and I see some news about Austria, I'm like, wow, I'm really not paying enough attention to have any opinion or awareness about this. But like, there is some stuff going on there. <laughs> There's, um, yeah, 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 it's been a while well, here.
1: <laughs> very questionable. Yeah, now it's, It's really weird and it's also whereas I think a lot of the language in this country towards minorities I mean in this country as in in Germany a lot of that language has been tempered and has been changed and is is a bit more politically correct. I go home and kind of talk to certain members of my family and, and honestly they say things that it's like dude you know what it's like 70 years ago You could have gotten away with that but but yeah, yeah. it seems like it's still accepted or acceptable somehow and yeah that's, it's a strange one i think culturally it may be german-speaking countries and we may sort of speak the same language but it's it's culturally very different still absolutely i want to ask about the language so
0: when you speak in german or are... Germans who hear you or other German
1: speaking people immediately able to say oh she's Austrian well this is quite funny because it very much depends I try and put on my best like hochdeutsch which is sort of standard lovely German that really comes out as English apparently it's like everyone everyone I meet and I try and speak (laughs) perfectly German they're like so where does that English accent come from? Are you from England? And I give up all the time, and it's so strange. And I'm like, oh, bloody hell, mate. I was really trying my best German, you know. But then, like, after a wee while, people do sort of... Because there are certain words, I guess, and certain intonations that are very Austrian still when I speak. So after a while, people go like, no, there's a bit of... Is that Austrian? And you kind of get detected like that. So it's, I think I'm more far more exotic and not so easily put in a box as as you'd think and I'm quite happy about that I have to say yeah it's sort of nice to be able to sort of
0: confuse people it's like you throw the smoke bomb in their face and then you can run away (laughs) metaphorically
1: speaking (laughs) yes Yes, it is (laughs) there is that aspect, but it's also I have to say and this is quite quite funny as well because I lived in England for 16 years and for the first two years I lived with people from Northern Ireland and I picked up an Irish twang because obviously when you hang out with people who speak English as a first language when you first move to that country you're like well they speak English they speak proper English so I'm going to speak that English so you pick up the twang and you pick up the accent and you pick up that dialect and within about a year and a half, people were like, you sound like you're from Belfast. <laughs> and so that was my life then in England. And people were like, there came a point when I was just like, do you know what? Yes, I am from Belfast. Thank you. <laughs> that <do. laughs> sure. Um
0: Why not? And uh, When people do find out that you're Austrian, is there any way in which they treat you with their stereotypes that you have to be aware of or work with or against?
1: Oh, do you know what? Honestly, I... I can't say that there are any stereotypes that people throw at me. I I think that has changed over the years. And I don't think because people have changed. It's just because my attitude has changed. Like I said earlier, when you grow up Austrian and you get those stereotypes against Germans and you go through life and you live in different cultures. Like I lived in the UK. I also lived in South America and, yes, there were, there were instances when I met German people and I was all like, oh, my God, I'm the proudest Austrian and, and you're just a dumb German kind of thing, you know, da-da-da and all this. But really, living here, I've never had anyone say or do anything that was in any way negative. I guess it's just one of those things where it's a point of discussion and it's a point of banter, actually, really, and, and like kind of making jokes and I love it when, when like Germans try and imitate my Austrian accent. That's hilarious <laughs> to me. But so it's more like I take it with a lot of humor.
0: And I'm curious too. So I, I know a couple Austrians and I would definitely agree with what you said earlier about how it's they're very proud people. You know, I know there was one Austrian who I was meeting up with often and she we would be meeting up in a tiny village in Bavaria. And that tiny village had access to wonderful food, drink, anything you could want. But she would always pack her car with Austrian goods when she came to these little meetups because she would always say, you know, she liked a lot of other wines, but Austrian wine is just the best. And yes, this bakery Ah. is really good, but this this certain role from, from Austria is really truly the best (laughs) and I found this quite charming I mean I think it was really I also would agree I mean great products all around (laughs) 10 out of 10 good review but for you what is what is or what are some of the things that make you most proud to be Austrian
1: oh okay yes there is a thing about wine and food in terms of like cooking in terms of food I'm Austrian through and through like you cannot no one no one can tell me what a goulash has to look or taste like because I know I got this when I was born <laughs> together with my passport I know how a goulash goes and I know how a real goulash goes and no one can tell me any different because we successfully stole that from the Hungarians and made it our own <laughs> and then um there is a thing that we have in Austria called uh, a it's a bit like a really thick pancake, but it's like torn apart and it's it's sweet, um, and you have it with uh, powdered sugar and all this. And also, I I not trying to be like completely blowing myself out of proportion on my abilities, but it's the best thing you'll ever have that I will make for you, and that's a fact. So in terms of food. And this is where like here in Stuttgart, I, I ordered a goulash here once in a restaurant. And oh my God, I was I was shocked and disappointed. And I really wanted to leave because that was not a goulash. I was just like, no, I'm not accepting this as a goulash. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> Do you know what uh, Americans think goulash is? Have you encountered
1: this? I don't know. What is
3: it? We put like noodles in it onions a lot of canned tomatoes all sorts of things it's just it's it's totally different anyway when i first ate austrian goulash i was like oh this is not what i was expecting also this is amazing and delicious anyway that is a that is a sidebar however <laughs> god noodles noodles and goulash oh, oh my yeah. god stop uh-huh. raping our kitchen! i know <laughs> terrible. i know it's um okay so you're very proud of a lot of the food because it is factually speaking The best is what I'm getting. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um. It's well. It's in terms of Austrian food. It's kind of. It's hard. I think to to compare it to anything else because I also like. Like I said, I've lived in so many different countries. I don't know. As an Austrian, I just think that what I cook as an Austrian with Austrian food, that's the best thing, and that's the only way of doing it. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) And I don't, I, I can't rationalize it. Yeah. Um, but then also, I wouldn't say that it surpasses everything else in the world. But I just, I don't know. It's, it's up there, definitely. Yeah.
3: And what is the hardest part about living in Germany, other than being separated from easy access to wonderful goulash?
2: <laughs> I do struggle. I don't know whether that's to do with being Austrian or whether i'm I'm very used to a, a, a an English way of or an Anglo-Saxon way of thinking. I I find the way people communicate here is, is sometimes a challenge for me. I don't know. and this is this is quite funny because when I first moved to to the UK, I got that a lot where people told me you're really abrupt and sometimes almost to the point of being rude. Whereas in Austria, that's just having a discussion and I kind of tone that down and I kind of adapt it to how in the UK people talk to each other. And it's all po- it's all based on being polite and being actually cheery and being kind of positive. There's a sort of a certain amount of positivity, not as much as in the States, I guess, but it's it's just different. And then I come back here to Germany and... <laughs> and I'm on the other side where I'm often like people are re- here are really direct and, and abrupt like, you know, like mm-hmm. at work I often wonder how the German mind works because I find it really complicated actually as much as Germans are known to be pragmatic and direct I find how they sometimes express themselves or or explain things is really complicated and not to the point. A really paradoxical thing, actually, to say, because on the one hand, yes, abrupt and direct, but on the other, really the opposite. So I don't know. It's
3: so true, though. <laughs> right, oh, okay. Man. Oh, I'm not the only one. I'm so glad. Jesus. No, it's, <sighs> it's such a confusing contradiction, and I still haven't figured out how to express it, because it's both. I don't know if it's certain situations. I guess one of the things that I think of with the abruptness and the directness is, like, the way that old people police the streets. (gasps) Do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. Like, if you... I don't know. If you do something wrong at the grocery store, some old person will appear and yell at you for it. You know, if you put your green glass bottle into the white glass can you will be corrected for it by some old person, even though the street was empty a minute ago. Like they just find you and they just <laughs> do their thing. And in this way, it's very
2: like it's very abrasive and direct and all this. It's What I find so strange here is like total strangers come up to you and recommend you for something. Yeah. And, and the thing is as well, I mean, sorry to say, but I kind of want to turn them to fuck off because my... Who are you? What's it to you? And why are you telling me this? Yeah. (laughs) I had this one situation at the gym, at the gym, out of all places. And I was on the bike doing my cardio, as you do. And this dude comes up to me, total stranger, never seen him before, never seen him since. And he goes, yes, your seat's wrong. Your seat is too low down. You have to adjust your seat. It's just not right how you're doing it. And I was like, "You, uh, like, what? And he was like, well, because this and this and this. And he gave me like three or four reasons why it's bad for, for my knees. And fair enough, all good and well. But honest to God, I know for a fact in the UK that would have never, ever happened, ever. No one walks up to a complete stranger and tells them that they're doing something wrong when they're doing it in their spare time. And that's really weird. There's one one of those things where I'm like, you're a total stranger and I don't want really to bothered in my personal space and yeah. you're bothering my personal space. <laughs> if it was my, my friend saying it, I'd be like totally, yeah, dude, totally, you're right. Yeah,
3: I feel yeah. the exact same way and I get really prickly about it, especially because I'm a young foreign female and all of these forms of identity are things that make A lot of people think that, like, oh, she probably doesn't know what she's doing. And also, I am the kind of person who doesn't know what she's doing a lot. Like, I just am a sloppy human, and so I do things wrong, and that's fine to me. And, you know, it's not bad to be corrected. However, I am very, like, meh, how dare you say it to me? I will do it more wrong just to spite you, random man who tried to correct me.
2: Yeah, it's totally true. It's totally true. And, and, but it's very German. And then kind of whenever that happened, I thought, dude, only in Germany can that happen to you.
3: Do you think that that happens in Austria?
2: Oh, does that happen in Austria? Um, I don't know. I, um, I don't know. I, th- I think what Austrians like to think, and I think what we are as well generally is a bit more relaxed than Germans when it's generally uh, we, we kind of try and take I guess life a bit less serious than the Germans do the Germans do work hard play hard whereas I think in Austria you're you're more apt to see the lighter side of life but also tin- tinged with a bit of Pessimism tinged with that bit of defeatism that we definitely do really, really well in Austria that you don't get here in Germany. It's kind of here in Germany, it's always about keeping up that serious front, that, uh, you know, efficient front. In Austria, we're, we're more like, do you know what, I can't be bothered anymore. I'll go down to the pub and have a pint now. That'll do, thanks. You know, and you'll hear German when really you say that.
3: I will say, I have a couple fellow non-german friends who will say that austria is to them like their personal slight upgrade to germany because it shares a lot of the things that they really love about here but with this with the flair also the landscapes are just gorgeous there austria has like some italian influence swiss and and of course hungarian just all these things it's got all these factors playing in from the outside yeah and so i know a couple people who have said like man if things don't work out here where we are in freiburg they would totally just take off to austria
2: yeah no i I can sort of see that definitely i mean you say yes we have all these influences but i think you'd be hard pressed for an austrian to admit that these things are from hungary or or italy it's kind of the, the minute it seems like in Austria, the minute anything crosses the border, even by like a foot, is Austrian. Like yeah. it, it can be totally Hungarian, but uh, uh, the minute it's in our country, like it's ours. But then I would also have to say that uh, there was this part, the, the, the most Western part of Austria that is that borders to Switzerland, where you have Regens and uh, the state is called Vorarlberg. It's it's kind of the most Western state. There has actually been, apparently, a referendum about what, 100, 120 years ago, and they actively wanted to be part of Switzerland. They did not want to be part huh. of Austria anymore. Wow. And the Swiss stopped them, apparently. So, ah. <laughs> I'm a bit sorry for them, but they were like, they, they're more be their own little thing or rather see themselves towards Switzerland rather than... Austrian, i guess it, I, i'm not quite sure i don't know anyone from there really but it, i find that quite funny how that part of austria is just like yeah we, we'd rather not be here actually that
3: is so <laughs> funny because that's actually the area that i've been to most in austria i've gone around the Bodensee a lot and spent a lot of time in the Allgäu in germany which like you'll just be on a hike and then suddenly you're in austria because the border there is just pretty random and I looked I've looked on a map later to be like wait how was that even Austria that I was in and it is kind of this little like corner it really thins out it's this one little little edge that's still Austria but it's Germany is like engulfing it and then Switzerland is right there like it's all very tight tight corners
2: yeah I mean I should also actually mention because there is a thing with Bavaria and and Austria there is a lot of, it's quite funny, there's a lot of affinity between the two because certain parts of Bavaria actually share the dialect that I have in in Austrian. It's quite funny because when my husband and I go to Bavaria, he feels like a foreigner. And when when I can speak my dialect, I'm totally at home there. It's like people, (laughs) it's really funny, really strange. But there's this affinity between Bavaria and Austria in particular and... In Austria, I think the saying goes that the Bavarians are the better Germans, but the Austrians are the the better Bavarians. (laughs) Although, of course, Bavaria, they have their own misplaced pride, and they're like, yeah, Austria can be part of us, but for us Austrians, like, no, 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 Bavaria, you can be part of us. Right. So that kind of is a pride corner (laughs) in the German-speaking landscape that wants to subsume the other one. Right. Um, You could argue, too,
3: they really are at the corner or at the intersection of the German-speaking world because Bavaria is obviously Germany and also next to Germany, if you view it as its own little bit, next to Austria. And it's also connected to the part of Austria that apparently wanted to be Switzerland a while back.
2: So, (laughs) Yes, sort of. Although I would say, I would have to argue that Bavarians are Bavarians and Bavaria is Bavaria. The rest is Germany. Um, I I kind of, in a weird way, I understand that logic. And I think that's Bavarian logic and therefore Austrian logic. So (laughs) I kind of, I would say Bavarians don't see themselves as Germans. So I I think good for them. Kudos to them and go Bavaria. Seriously. I think they're cool. I quite like them. I do too. I think
3: they're, they've got a certain spirit to them that I quite enjoy. But okay, I want to ask you about 20 more really interesting questions, but we are actually running out of time. So I'm going to force us to round the corner and head to home with ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. So it's a rapid fire question round. And I'm going to ask you three questions that you will answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Are you ready?
2: Oh my God. Am I ready? I'm not sure, but let's do it. Let's
3: do it where is your favorite christmas market
2: oh i hate christmas markets (gasps) i think they're the worst (laughs) (laughs) i can't give you a good answer for that i i I like no christmas market this is (laughs) wild
3: oh my god okay i want to ask about this but okay it's rapid fire so i'm gonna leave it even though i'm in shock next one do you have a favorite Austrian Christmas treat, like a baked good or even like a dinner
2: dinner tradition or something that you have around Christmas time? Oh my god, I am the worst baker. So I tried to make these cookies once. They're called vanilla kipfel. It's a vanilla cookie but it's kind of a half moon shape vanilla cookie and they're lovely.
3: Okay, and finally, what is one thing that everyone should do or experience when they're visiting Stuttgart?
2: Well, the Peg Museum, obviously. Yes. And, and <laughs> that should be your first address that you go to. True, true. And I, I would totally recommend Hotel Silva. It's it's a really interesting uh, history. It's, it's a, they've done it really well. It's only opened in 2018 and it's, like I said, it was where the headquarters of the Gestapo was and it's a really interesting history. They should definitely do that as well, yeah.
3: Very good. Thank you so much for doing this. This was seriously so fun and I wish that we could just keep talking. But if people do want to hear more about you or follow your own journey, where can people find you? And um, while well, I am
2: uh, on the old Instagram, there's there's one account that I have that's called rupture work in progress. It's all one word. Otherwise, I'm a bit more
3: private on the old social media. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. It was seriously a
2: blast. Bye. Hey, thank you. It was. It's been it's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks one more time to Stephanie for coming on the show. Check out the show notes for links to Stephanie's social media. And while you're there, don't forget to click on the Fegapod Fo link and donate some money to some wonderful charities. You can find us as always on Instagram and on Twitter at the expat Cast, and you can email us at TheExpatCast at gmail.com. Thank you goes to Amy Lungy Art for the logo and to Side Hug for the theme music. You can find them on Instagram too at a hug from the side. I'll be back in your feeds on Sunday with a -a Fegapadfo update, and then I'll be back in your feeds next Thursday with an episode all about Ausbildungs, or apprenticeships, in Germany. Until then, have a great week. Tschüss!